0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network in the charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we have much to discuss today, starting off with the recently completed Prospects Challenge that the Sabres Prospects participated in last weekend. Of course, we want to apologize for missing our Monday episode. I was traveling this weekend, so was not able to record, and we didn't want to do something in advance because we wanted to properly be able to talk about the results of the Prospects Challenge. And Taylor, overall, things looked pretty good for the Young Sabres as they finished 2-1 and one in the tournament overall. But a little bit of bad news coming out of it, that Matt Savoy ended up sustaining an upper body injury, which is going to potentially keep him out for the start of training camp with the Sabres. Thankfully, not too serious, it seems, and not much of a long-term issue, but still frustrating nonetheless. However, even though neither of us were able to attend any of the games, we were both following along online, catching clips when we can, and of course, reading up on it from the various folks who were there covering it. And by all accounts, the guys who we really wanted to look good this weekend looked good. That being Matt Savoy, Isaac Rosean, Yuri Kulik, Ryan Johnson, and did I say Zach Benson? Well, everyone did say he had a good weekend. So everybody, though, who you would would be hoping for for the team to be able to to really show up, really all the marquee first round guys there, which is excellent. Again, the Sabres go two and one in this one. Some really impressive clips, too, from some of the guys, particularly somebody I thought who stood out in a a subtle but good way was Ryan Johnson. He's going to have a really an opportunity to be the guy on that Amherst blue line and potentially maybe even getting a look. On the NHL roster, for that matter, at some point, if injuries happen. So going to be interesting there, but really great to see uh, Ryan Johnson really selling in and and feeling like he belongs. Um, So, Taylor, just in general, from what you had gathered from the weekend, what are some of your thoughts on on the young Sabres?
1: I mean, it's good to hear that the guys that we wanted to hear good things about is who we're getting good reports on, you know, like ever it it seems like consensus, basically that Benson Savoy pre-injury and Kulik, especially all look good. And that's good because, you know, we won't see Zach Benson this year, but hopefully we'll be seeing Kulik and Savoy. So it's good to see that they, uh, at the very least they're doing what they can now, which is looking good against their peers, their age group peers. And then Ryan Johnson yeah man that's that's good to hear too. It'd, it'd be a big concern if he came here after five or whatever seasons his huh. for his draft plus five season and didn't look good. But yeah, I'm glad to see he does. so yeah, that's it's all good. It, it's another probably two straight years of getting a a nice a good, nice feeling coming out of this prospect
0: challenge, yeah, definitely agreed. i I think that each of these guys really has a legitimate look at being on as the ones that we mentioned, all the first round guys, I should say. I would say all of them have at least to a degree, a realistic shot of, of cracking the roster next season. Now, a lot of that's going to depend on how this up se- upcoming season goes, how guys are going to, you know, what guys are going to step up, what guys are going to continue to look good. I think there's a lot of question marks around, uh, you know, that the, the bottom six right now in terms of the forward group. And then of course still doesn't feel like we have Owen powers, long-term partner, and there's a bit of a log jam and the, and the bottom pair there, but All in all, there's just so much talent dispersed among this or uh, spread throughout this group that it's inevitable that within the next one to two years, they will be NHLers, whether it's for the Sabres or for that matter, if they're traded and they're playing for another team. But we're going to have a lot more coverage on the prospects uh, as we're getting into training camp here. The Sabres today announced their official training camp roster as training camp is now getting underway, which is so exciting. As of everybody listening, this training camp will be getting underway on Thursday. So it's gonna be really great to get the guys back in the room, back on the ice around each other and really just start to build up a lot of the very exciting hype that's been then that's been just booming around this team. So Taylor, let's talk a little bit about training camp. Um as we had said there before, there's a, a good mix between obviously all of the guys that we're expecting to make the roster this year, along with a good amount of uh, of the young guys who are going to get some opportunities to really show out in some of the preseason games here. So before we get into some of the specifics there, is there anything generally speaking that you're particularly excited about when it comes to training camp and as we're getting into the preseason?
1: I guess the main thing is seeing how the guys we just mentioned look now that they're they'll be playing and practicing with actual nhl players and <laughs> for the first time in a while good nhl players <laughs> good nhl players that are coming off a good season like that that'll be interesting how do Kalik Savoy, uh all those guys that are going to be around benson rosen anyone brian johnson how do they all look against this kind of competition i think that'll be very interesting that's the yeah, thing I mean, i'm wondering
0: for sure i think it's fair to expect them to guys of their pedigree and their talent to be able to dominate among their peers like how they did in the prospects challenge oh you know generally speaking dominate just controlling play when they're on the ice being able to make big plays but I think that's a great point like how are these guys going to be able to hack it against again not only just like passable NHL players but some legitimate star NHLers here and I think that as we're talking about, specifically within the forward group, the the possibility of there maybe being a roster spot up for grabs for one of the younger guys, whether that is Kulik or Roseanne or or Savoy for that matter. I think it's going to be really interesting to see whose game is going to really kind of mesh because you would think on the surface, maybe Kulik would be the most ready just in terms of his, you know, physical toolkit. He's a bigger kid. He's able to move around pretty well. He plays a good two way game, good in both ends of the ice, you know, uh, you have Savoy, obviously, who is just like dynamite on skates. Who is a has the profile of an elite playmaker and a, and a great checker, a great forechecker, uh, and being able to really overcome his size. And then you have Roseanne, who you know you're hoping you're going to have a, a real goal scorer there. And he really just elevated his game more and more as the season went on last year in Rochester. So I think they each kind of have their own little like niche of what makes them this special piece. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see. Which of those attributes is most conducive off the bat to the NHL level?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it it is. It's kind of like you said there, like how they have their own all kind of thing. That is kind of like the guys in the current roster, not all of whom are young. But I think if you look at like the first line or what has been the first line the last couple of years, more on that soon. Tadez Tuck and Skinner really have all their own unique skill sets, and frankly, so does Cousins. So. It's good. It's good to have a diverse, diversified skill set. I also, I I just wonder like uh, how things work out because I think there kind of more or less is a training camp battle, right? Because we have eight defensemen.
0: Yeah, there Uh, definitely is. And the Sabres actually today put out on their website on sabres.com. Uh, breakdown of the defense and not only talking about the new additions who they have in the pipeline, but also alluding to some potential pairings here. So n- comes as no surprise. They go right off the bat with talking about, how Samuelson and Daleen were effective with each other last year in the 671 minutes, over 671 minutes, I should say, that uh, Daleen and Samuelson played together. He was able to establish new career highs. Uh, Daleen, that is, of course, and, and goals assistant points. So a, a real career year here. And I think it's it's no secret to anybody that those two just mesh really well together and have very complementary skill sets. However, then we get into the second pair. Obviously, Owen Power has that left D-spot on the second pair, locked down for the foreseeable future slash forever. Um, and they start off by mentioning that Power and Yoki Haru ended up playing together, uh, playing just shy of 700 minutes together over the course of 60 games, which is that's a little bit more than I would like for Henry Yoki Haru to be playing with Owen Power. But they did end up going on to say that Clifton Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson can take spots on the second and third pairs respectively so then that turning into power and Clifton as your second pair and a third pair being some mix of Eric Johnson Henry Yoki you? Jacob Bryson Stillman and I mean they have Cal Clegg mentioned but I don't know how much we really believe that Kel Clegg is going to be able to to make the roster with the gen that they have right now. So let's talk about that a little bit, Taylor. I mean, I feel like we've been saying since the Clifton signing happened that it's not the big swing that we wanted out of them in terms of finding a partner for power, but – With that being said, it's still an upgrade over what they've had and and Clifton potentially getting this opportunity to step into a bigger role could end up, you know, really end up being a bargain for the Sabres and a really great deal, especially when you consider how good he looked with Hampus Lindholm last year who had a a Norris caliber season. So talk to me a little bit about what you think about the pairings, Taylor. I mean, you know, we, we went through some of the younger guys there, but let's talk about the guys that we have on the roster right now. One, two, and three—I I think are, are foregone conclusions that it's Dalene and, and Samuelson up front, and then you have Power as your three there. Talk, talk to me about what you think uh, fourth through sh- what, how you think four through six shakes out. I well, I'm
1: really hoping that it's Connor Clifton with Power, because I mean, you signed him to do a three-year contract. I'd hope you'd have some faith in him to at least play on the second pairing if not that would tell me that you don't have that much faith in him which would be odd or that you really want him to navigate the third line which or third pairing I should say which is it would be weird that you give him three years to do that or it means you have a lot of faith in Henry Yoki Haru. I don't know about that I mean I think Yoki Haru is an NHL player he's good enough to be get dragged around by 21 or 20 21 year old Owen power but is he good enough to really be a, a valuable second pairing guy for a playoff team. I don't know. I think he's good enough to be that for the third pairing and maybe the seventh guy, but I, I kind of wonder, I think one, two, three, like you lay it out and then it would go Clifton and then Eric Johnson. I feel like you didn't sign him as a, a veteran to not get play. on the bench. Right? So I think he'd have to be in the third pairing. So Then it makes me think, which of Stillman and Yoki Haru do you want? It's a weird situation, right? Because they they seem to kind of like Yoki Haru. So I don't think they're trying to get rid of him. So maybe he's the seventh guy, and then Stillman plays with Eric Johnson. I don't know about that, but I guess we see how that goes. And Yoki Haru is the seventh guy. And then bye-bye Bryson and Clegg?
0: I feel like you you could probably safely put them through waivers. I, I would think. think,
1: yeah, Clegg especially. And I think Clegg is waiver eligible now. So, uh, that they would have to. I think you would do well, you could uh, definitely safely do that at this time of year, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, no, there aren't that many injuries or teams getting desperate, uh, for depth. I, uh, so I think those two would probably go to Rochester. And then, yeah, Ryan Johnson, hey, look good as you want in training camp. That just, Basically that should give the Sabres faith. He should be fighting for the Sabres to have faith in him that he can be a guy that can call up later. If there are injuries, I don't think he should be so focused on making the team or disappointed if he doesn't because they have, what is that? I just counted there nine guys who played in the NHL last year mm-hmm. K- kind of puts him in the 10th spot.
0: Yeah. I mean, I kind of think in Johnson's case too, you know, go to Rochester, have a productive year, quarterback, the first power play unit get tough matchups on defense Really round out the rest of your game, especially the defensive side of the game, you know, be able to utilize his excellent skating ability to make himself a standout defender at the AHL level. And then next year, I think in a best case scenario, you go out and you make your big move for a defense to get somebody to pair with power. And then you run Johnson on the left and Clifton on the right for your third pair. And then maybe Eric Johnson is your seventh defenseman. I I think that would be a, a really nice scenario there for the Sabres if things were to play out that way. Or who yeah, knows? I just wonder, on,
1: though. But... Seven... Yeah, the Johnson one's interesting because – so you said Eric Johnson is a seventh defenseman there?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if he's able to – if, if he wants to step into that role, I mean, you have options. And we're talking about a seventh defenseman, too, here. Like, the main
1: point yeah. is that
0: they should No, no, I know. I just mean that, that I don't game.
1: think – no, no, no. I mean, Eric Johnson, I think – They signed him and his expectation would be that he's going to play. I'm talking
0: about for next year. Oh, for next year. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying that's what I was saying that Johnson this year, he plays in the AHL, kills it, does all the things I outlined. And then you walk into next training camp with the presumption that your third pair would be Johnson and Clifton. You would make a big move to get somebody to play with power to upgrade to yes. bolster defense. And then Johnson next year, which I believe would be his age 36 season, depending on how he's looking and how the season goes this year, he ends up then shifting to your seventh defenseman, but that's for I, 24, 25.
1: Yeah. I think this is his age 36 season. I also think he's under a one year deal though, isn't he?
0: That's what I'm saying. If they were to just bring him back as like, a oh, like, yeah, guy. if you
1: want, if you, yeah, if you're cool with that. Okay. I seriously, I miss you. Heard you. Uh Yeah. No, that it does give you the opportunity going forward to look pretty solid. D wise. Like, You have Samuelson, Power, Darlene, as we always mention. Clifton's going to be a guy that's there, so fingers crossed he looks good this year. And then, yeah, Ryan Johnson actually looks good in Rochester. Hey, you're most of the way there. And you make that big addition we've been talking about.
0: Forever now. It's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. How about about we switch gears, Taylor? Do you want to talk about the forwards a little bit? Because I think, similar to defense, there's not – a whole lot of spots that are available necessarily. Like you would probably think that there's a a pretty good idea of how this is going to shake out with the exception of maybe one spot. Jack Quinn's injury obviously throws a bit of a wrench into things, but as we were talking about before with the Savers website, putting out a a potential list of pairings on defense, they also made some similar predictions, whatever you want to call them at forward one of which got a little bit of chatter online yesterday on Twitter. And I wanted to bring it up and, and get your thoughts on it. Cause I feel pretty strongly about this, but it was with regard to breaking up the first line specifically with putting Casey middlestat at center between Skinner and Tuck, given how good he looked going down the stretch of last year. In that sense, then you are spreading out. <clears throat> you, you'd be in theory, spreading your lineup throughout the, or your talent throughout the lineup that would be, probably move Tage to a wing spot or cousins to a wing spot. One of those two on your second line there to play with Paterka at the start. I will get into why I am not of this belief, why I don't think that they should do this, but give me your thoughts on, I guess where Casey Middlestat fits into the fold and just generally speaking, do you think that they should break up the first line in that way?
1: No, I don't really want to break up the first line. I don't see that as a big value add. I just wonder with all the talk, what people kind of expect now, and I don't see why you couldn't have a second line of cousins centering Casey and Paterka. What's the problem with that line?
0: There is none.
1: <laughs> That's what I think. I think because Middlesta has a really good year as a passer he was great as an even strength passer last year. I don't does that mean he has to play center? I don't necessarily no. think so. I'd like to see Cousins grow as a center. They gave Cousins seven and a half million a year. I want to say, I believe it's something somewhere around there uh, on a long-term deal. I don't think it's because they want to give up on him being center because Middlestat had a good, a really good second half of last season. So I, I don't really see the problem with that. Because, I, and I do see the problem if you move him to center and put him at one C. That, that's where I start to see a problem. I, I like the way the top six would look as it sometimes did last year with those guys. Now the problem is what happens
0: when Quinn comes back? I have thoughts on that. Actually. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Well, do you want me to get my perspective on the first line thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. So uh, it, it, for me, I, I think there's a few things to consider here. One, two years ago, you were, let's be real here. You were gifted a needle in the haystack by shifting Tage to center and him being able to round out his game and become the player that he is today and if Don Granado does not move Tage to center, there's a very decent chance that we do not see a, a fraction of the player that we have today, right now, in Tage. Right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think Tage absolutely should stay at center. And I think if you're going to think about switching up the first line, Tage is not the guy to move, in my opinion. I think that you have. Two wingers on either you have a winger on either side of him that could easily fit into another line, whether it be the second line or the third line. Aside from that, with it just working with Tage at at center, I do not want Casey Middlestat getting more minutes than Tage or Dylan Cousins. I don't care how good he looked at the end of last year. There should be no scenario where Casey Middlestat finishes this season with more even strength minutes than Tage and Dylan Cousins for a lot of reasons, talent, consistency, whatever you want to call it. But also I know that Casey absolutely earned his spot on the roster this year to, to get another look after how good he looked last year, because everybody was pretty ready to punt on him. Just considering the fact that we saw we'd see flashes for stretches and then he would disappear. And then he would look like he would be completely out of sorts on the ice and that he would be exhausted. His conditioning wasn't up to speed, but then you'd see a couple games where he'd get a little burst and he'd start shooting more. And it was like, okay, finally felt like he put it together, which is great. Couple things on that one. You are trying to make the playoffs this year and Tage Thompson, getting those minutes gives you a better chance of doing that than Casey metal stat thinking long-term here. I know the focus right now is this season and it absolutely should be, but I got to ask the question again. Where does Casey Middlestat fit on this team long-term? You have a first line, Skinner, Tuck, Tage. You have a second line, Cousins, Paterka, Quinn. That third line is where things start to get interesting because in the 24-25 season, you have a bunch of guys who are going to be vying for that spot. And that is not even taking into consideration that they might make an external addition or that they could make an external addition. You're going to have Krebs, Middlestat, Kulik, Savoy, maybe Benson, Rosean. That's six guys right there. That's just off the top of my head. That's excluding like any surprises or again, external additions, anything like that. Now, if Casey goes out this year and plays on the third line, let's say you put Casey uh, for the first half of the year, you have him with cousins and Paterka Quinn comes back. He gets shifted back to the third line. Say they do, something like crabs in between middle stat and i i mean i guess either like Olofsson or greenway or something like that and say that works say casey still you know he has a, a follow up to last year and he ends up putting up 50 60 points then you have to have a real conversation about do you want to have this guy be a part of the 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 long term here because it's valuable to be able to have a third liner that's able to put up 50 points, like the full stop. It doesn't matter what it is. If you have a guy getting third line minutes and he's able to put up a 50 point, uh, you know, 50 plus point season, that's very valuable. And if middle stats able to do that in a primarily middle six role, then that's something you have to take a long, hard look at, but here's what you have to consider too. If you are even thinking about playing him on the first line and say, he does really well. And he blows up. He's going into a, this is a contract year for him. How much are you willing to pay him and invest in him when you're going to have a Darlene extension kicking in next year, you're going to have a power extension kicking in next year. And in addition to that, him taking up, you know, X amount of cap space when all of the guys that I just mentioned are either going to be on ELCs or on very cheap contracts, probably like, and by that, I mean, in the name of, of Peyton Krebs, so you kind of have to think about that in, in the mix with all of this as well, because Casey is an RFA going into this upcoming off season, but I believe this is his last year of being an RFA. So it's pretty much, he's walking into like where Sam Reinhardt was before they traded him, if I'm not mistaken. Are you, I, I don't know for me, it's like you got to do what you have to do to put your guys in the best position to win full stop. I think having Tage and cousins as one and two C does that for you middle stat absolutely should be put in places to succeed, but you have to, again, consider like if you wanted to put him on the first line and say, he does blow up and have a huge season. Like, I just, I don't know if that's an investment that I want to make when you have an ungodly amount of talent coming up through the pipeline. And I mean, who knows then maybe it, maybe the conversation next year is, you know, Casey had this great year. Again, we can use him as like a trade piece, potentially, what have you um, you know but then you're going to have to consider like how much money is he going to want and if he has arbitration rights which I believe he does going into next year then that's going to also impact what a team is going to pay for him as well because if he blows up then what are you going to do I mean obviously then the inverse of that is that he goes back down to earth and is his his old self his inconsistent self but I don't know if that's going to be the case so I, I don't know I guess I'm not saying like definitively one way or the other on his long-term future but it just feels like there's so many reasons for the immediate and long-term future of this team that it doesn't really make sense to try him out between Skinner and Tuck like Tage is not the guy that I would move in that scenario I know I just threw like a a word vomit of the century at you on that there but generally I mean what are your thoughts on that in terms of like Casey's placement on the team now and into the future
1: so yeah I want to start with that what I was getting at or like all the, the, the potential problems that could come by, by uh, trying to move Casey from the spot that makes, in my opinion, the most sense. Yeah. Like I think like you mentioned there, putting him between Skinner and tuck, he's going to get a lot of points. Is he necessarily going to be more valuable there than Tage? Exactly. I don't know. And if Tage is a second line center, then isn't that kind of fucking ridiculous? Yeah. <laughs> kind of ridiculous that a guy that had almost a hundred points last year, Like he's not Melkin. He's not playing behind Crosby. He's a second line center. Uh, and then in that case, isn't it also kind of crazy that you're moving Dylan Cousins' position? Unless right? hey, unless there's something that what we did don't you see. draft
0: Cousins for? Like that—that's what yeah. you drafted him for—is to be that well. They didn't two C guy. Well, no, I'm just you know what I mean though. Like that's why you have a guy like like that's yeah. a guy like Cousins brings to the table for you. Yeah, that's why they extended him like that so you could have those
1: guys as your one and two C. I don't see why one C Casey is better in that scenario. I, I know lineup optimization and trying to – t- we have talked about that in the bad old days, um, trying to spread out your guys. But they have enough guys that they already can spread out. So I think spreading out your guys in this scenario is having Casey as the second-line winger. And then Quinn comes back. If Quinn looks like his old self, he could go in there. And here's a crazy idea. Uh, you don't have to be married to Tyson fucking Jost as the third-line center. And third-line center Casey Middlestat could be really good, where he's been good at even strength, setting guys up.
0: Or that even good. Put, him next to, put him next to Krebs as the third-line center, and you could still play him on the wing. That way you take off some of the defensive responsibilities.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's another opportunity as well. These are all good things. Middlestat played really well at the end of last year, but he didn't play
0: better than any of the guys in the top line. 100%. Or Cousins. Well, let like, me put it. I think you could put it this way: is is Casey Middlestat more valuable, getting first line minutes and putting up seventy points, or getting third line minutes and putting up fifty five points? Yeah, I, think the, I latter, think the latter. I yeah. think the latter.
1: That to me, that's what line of optimization is. Otherwise, I don't. You see, getting as much scoring out of that. Or unless you move, like, it would seem so crazy to move me to move someone like Cousins or Quinn to the third line, given how Quinn looked at the end of last year. And, right. like, again, okay, you could also, depending on how you feel about handedness, you could move Paterka down, if that's how you feel. But that's a different
0: uh Which is story. fine. I, I think that that also absolutely is a real possibility and something to consider. Like, uh, Paterka being the guy, but the, the guy to move down, I should say, to, like, a third-line role. Because, again, you need to have the productive scoring guys on your third line, 100%. The other component of this that we kind of touched on, and and I'd like to hear your thoughts on Taylor. I feel like Tage and Cousins together does not make any sense putting them on a line together to me. I I just, yeah, I, I don't like that pairing at all. Obviously, they're both terrific players, and like in theory, they would produce, but like that feels like the opposite of like lineup optimization, like we're saying. And also, why would you? when we're talking about lineup optimization too like not even like talking about skill sets like straight up that's just like two guys who are pure play drivers
1: yeah yeah absolutely uh and it's also like i kind of touched on this earlier with the the varied skill set of the guys in the first line they just play together so well and they complement each other so well tage and skinner together wow is that dangerous offensively tage's natural ability to drive play and skinner's natural ability to kind of you know kind of shift in and out of uh like little dangerous areas in front of the net like a little goal goblin. And he also, a by the gold way, I should say goblin. a, a oh lot my of good God. passes last year and he is handsome. Made somebody's a lot gotta, of good passes last year. Make the t-shirt. <laughs> like uh just you know, you ever seen that uh that weird meme of a guy. It's like a Reddit post. He's like advice and he's like, uh I like to do a thing called goblin mode. I sneak around <laughs> my apartment and grab little trinkets and just say, I'll be having that. And uh his neighbors heard him and he didn't know what to do uh that's jeff skinner like the puck <laughs> pops out in the little area where you think no one could get it and he's just i'll be having that it's like top shelf and it's like oh here comes a a fun pop song from 2011 if they're playing at home mm. or something like that i don't know what his goal song's going to be this year i'm very excited to find out though so th- he's great at playing with someone who drives play like tage and they're both kind of a disaster in their own zone so it's good that there's a 200 foot really responsible guy in alex tuck who not only can clean up their mess in their in their own zone he's uh a really dangerous offensive player in his own right and was almost a point in game player last year and he's really responsible and they all seem to like each other and get along there's no reason to mess with that this isn't just a top line where like eichel is making victor olofsson look good or some shit like that or like oh eichel and reinhardt play well together this is one of the best lines in the league you don't have to mess with that you're trying to optimize the second and third line. Like if you have a fourth line that's like Krabs Gergensen, Oposo, it's gonna hold its own. It's gonna be a good fourth line. We, we the Sabres are should be in the process of figuring out the second and third lines. And I'm sorry, like moving Tage to the second line isn't the answer. That's crazy. And Middlestad has a role, or this shouldn't be sound like we're talking shit about Middlestad. He's been really good and he's really done a good job of becoming a real NHL player after some initial struggles, which is admirable. But I think what he's earned is a place in the middle six. And Agreed. that's what's best for the Sabres going forward. So hopefully Don Granado is listening and anyone that makes memes, because I, I don't do that. I'm like two years too old uh, or, or 50 years too young to make memes, depending on which kind of memes you're talking about. So if you heard the Goblin Mode Skinner thing, feel free to take that. Uh, give me a hat tip. That's all. Anyway... Brendan, do we want to hear a word from our sponsors before we get on to anything else, or do you have anything else you want to say about this
0: situation? Uh, that, not this in particular. Let's Let's hear from the sponsors, and then we can get back into more hockey talk.
1: All right. The show is sponsored by DraftKings. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away in an instant winner. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly. Bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net and your call 877 8HOPENY or text HOPENY 467 369. Connecticut help is available for problem gambling 888 789 7777. Visit CCPG.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, License partner: Golden Nugget Lake Charles, in Louisiana. Twenty-one and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com/football. Terms to eligibility, terms. And responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Okay, folks. As you all know, for time listeners, Thin Man Brewery is all, a proud sponsor of this podcast. And boy, do we have some some big news! I don't know how many of you have been to the Chandler street location. Great spot. It's about to get even better. Jackrabbit is taking over the tap room. So still, you know, still thin man brewery, you know, and love still got all that beer, but Jackrabbit famous Elmwood bar that, and I would say roughly two and a half, three short years has become a lot of people's favorite bar. It's, it's doing very well. Live music, great food, brunch, great location on Elmwood. Uh, and it's uh people a lot of times come up to me and Brendan. Brendan's played there before. People come up with tears in their eyes and say, Brendan, sir, why don't you playing a jackrabbit again? But folks, what we want to say at the top, nothing about that's going away. That jackrabbit's staying the same. But Jackrabbit is moving into the food space in the tap room. They're well, they're taking over the tap room, but you'll be able to get Jackrabbit's delicious food uh there, and it's gonna be an incredible partnership, wonderful stuff. And we will have more information on that soon. That is, you know, hasn't happened yet. But how exciting is that? Jackrabbit moving into Thin Man Chandler. Honestly, that's going to be like a, it already is a really cool spot, but that's going to be like a go-to spot now for so many people. It's unbelievable news. I already loved it there, as I've stated many times, but wow, this is a really cool stuff. Two of the best brands in Buffalo, would you say, Brennan? Thin Man and Jackrabbit.
0: I would definitely agree with that. I think uh, you and I both have spent many a hazy night at Jackrabbit on Elmwood. And I am very much looking forward to spending many more a hazy night at Jackrabbit on Chandler Street in conjunction with Thin Man Brewery. It is going to be a rocking time, folks. It's going to be great for games, for just about everything. I think another cool component of this, actually, that you may be wondering is it, what's going on with trivia? And folks, we got great news. The kind folks from Jackrabbit, we're gonna be we're gonna be having some trivia monthly, back to monthly during the upcoming regular season. We're gonna be announcing our full slate of dates that our trivia nights are going to be. It's gonna be the same setup as it's been. Nothing's gonna be changing with it. We had a great time at our first Chandler Street trivia night. And let's be real here, guys. Like, this is just like a a powerhouse combination that's happening here. And when you put some straight up Sabres trivia into the mix of that powerhouse combination, it doesn't really change a lot, but it's still going to be a really good time though. So you should definitely come and hang out. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have our announcements for, again, we're going to have our October, November, December, and January dates announced soon. And even cooler than that, we're going to be expanding some of the events that we're going to be doing. It's going to be more than just trivia folks. So we can't get into too many of the details right now, but let's just say it is going to be unreal. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely.
1: And we also got to hit on this. uh More exciting stuff. What are you doing Saturday, October 14th in the afternoon? I'll tell you what you're doing, folks. You're going to be at Thin Man Chandler, 166 Chandler Street from noon to 4 p.m. It's Minky Day. So you've heard us talk about this a little bit, but here's some more details on that. Tickets are available at thinmanbrewery.com slash eventbrite or via our link tree on instagram so 45 dollars gets you this that's part of that will be a five out dollar donation to the menware ping campaign that raises money for the american cancer society's fight against breast cancer very important and the ticket also includes exclusive access to the event a thin man glass one seven ounce pour of each Minky Boodle variant. There'll be four this year. You also get live music from Olmstead Dub System and Spooky Steven, and a Minky Bloody Mimosa bar from noon to 1 p.m., so make sure to get there on time. Participating breweries, who each have one Minky variant brewed with uh, them, uh, and they'll also have a guest beer from each, those breweries will be Tripping Animals from Miami, Grimm from Brooklyn, RAR from Cambridge, Maryland, and Atrium from louisville kentucky so wow all over the place really people are coming for minky day and we've kind of hyped up some of those minky variants they're all available on instagram so at thin man's instagram that is go go check those out there's a lot of them and man it's getting interesting people love minky boodle i'm one of them i am still unsure if i can go to this event because i'm flying back from a two-week europe vacation like 12 hours before but we're good that's that's gonna be a game time decision Wow. Uh, right? <laughs> But uh, still, though, like I said, if you're interested in tickets, Thin Man Brewery slash Eventbrite or go to Thin Man's Linktree on Instagram. So, yeah, yeah, check that out.
0: Damn right. And hey, the night before, October 13th, throwing it out there now, but my band, Canadas we're having our album release show, our EP release show, I should, say, I should say more accurately, at 500 Pearl at Forbes Theater, if you have never been before, oh my God, this theater is so goddamn cool. Right in the middle of, of, well, I shouldn't say in the middle. It's kind of tucked away a little bit, but it's a huge theater, maybe like a step down from like Babeville, but the similar kind of vibe chandeliers hanging you got a cool balcony area huge floor space in there that's gonna be october 13th we're having our ep release show again we're playing with some amazing local artists in the form of humble braggers grace Greenin, and tuesday night you can get tickets on sale now at 500 pearls website you could find it on there october 13th or alternatively go to either my Twitter or my Instagram and go to the link in my bio and you could find it there. Find a link to grab tickets. Hopefully we will see you there. It's going to be an awesome time. I'm going to do my best to drag Taylor's lifeless body there after he gets back from Ireland at like eight o'clock. So on Friday night, but it's going to be a great time and I hope you all can make it out. And then that way you can wake up a little bit hung over hair of the dog it, at Minky day. The next day, boom, there's your weekend.
1: Wow. Planning ahead, that's good. It's good, you know, to get a month notice. Uh at this a stage of our life we're so busy.
0: Of course, of course.
1: So, Brendan, real quick before we go, do we want to talk about uh ESPN asking well they did their their what they call their NHL superstar poll. Different things they want to see. Uh but one thing they asked this year was what rule changes? they wanted uh to see in the nhl to different superstars and they got a lot of interesting answers so if you want me to read those to you and tell you can tell me if you agree or not let's do it okay again if you want to check this out on espn they they got asked a lot of questions uh and there was a lot of interesting answers matthew kachuk is a he's a real bastard i love him <laughs> i don't know if you saw that brennan he was asked what team you're interested to see next season and he said i'm interested to see how boston responds <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great. He did not. Did he really? Yeah. I love that dude. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> he's he's crazy, man. That's incredible.
1: Uh, all right. So if you could add a rule to the NHL, what would it be? Josh Morrissey. Superstar? Interesting. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, if you score in the power play, the power play doesn't end. So you get the full two minutes as a guy that's on the power play. I wouldn't mind having it be the full two minutes regardless. So that might be a selfish answer. Uh, yeah, that's been a lot of talk about this recently. I don't agree. I think power plays score at a really high clip right now and scoring is going up and it feels like kind of an unnecessary rule change. In my opinion,
0: I don't hate it. I'm not going to lie. I do not I hate it.
1: I don't hate it either, but it just feels unnecessary. It, like it made more sense to me a couple years ago.
0: What if it, what if you took it a step further? And if you have like a five on three and score that the other person doesn't come out of the box until their penalties up.
1: Wasn't that how it works? It becomes a five on four. If you have a five on three right now.
0: Right. But if you have a five on three and score, then it becomes a five on four. I'm saying if you have a five on three and score with a minute 20 left in both penalties or like a minute 20 left in the first penalty and a minute 40 left that they don't come off the board.
1: Oh, I see. So it stays a five on three. Uh I don't know. I don't really see that as a problem. I think I don't think it's a problem, but power play as
0: it is, eh, I don't know. I think it, I mean, power play scores higher than it's ever been. I understand that. I'm just saying anything that promotes more offense. I don't don't think it's, You see, this isn't
1: really what I want to promote more offense though, because this is like, Oh, five Oh six promotion of offense. Like there's just power plays all the time. I, I I think offense getting better for continuing to get better is going to have more to do with it getting better at even strength.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, Let me be clear. here. I don't think it's a problem. I just think it's kind of an interesting idea. Like, it's not something that like I'm immediately opposed to as compared to some other ideas that were proposed by a certain captain of a certain black and yellow team that has a winged animal as their logo. Well,
1: wouldn't you know it? That's actually the next one up. Sidney Crosby. I don't want to add this rule or subtract it. I just want to see it. What the hell does that mean? I don't want to add this rule or subtract it. I just want to see it. That's adding it. All right. <laughs> Bringing the red line back. Oh, I see what it means. He doesn't want to actually have it happen. He just thinks it'd be interesting. Okay. Bringing the red line back. Would just love to see how that would affect the game. You knew when it was there, There is a ton of trapping and all that sort of thing. But it would just be a totally different game today. I think it would force you to have to make a few more passes. I would just love to see how the combination of the way we play now combined with the bringing the red line back compared to what it would have looked like when it was first there. Interesting. I, I see what he's saying now. He just wants to see it more than he wants to actually bring it back. Sid, let me let you in on this, bud. Uh, it sucks. I don't know where you were. I th- assume that you were watching hockey for the first 18 years of your life. I know he never played with the red line, but like, yeah, that's tough. Do you remember hockey when you were in high school or wherever you went, juniors? Do you remember that? It was terrible, man. Like the the NHL leading goal scored forty one goals one year. That was a real thing. Oof. Really happened. It was bad. Oof. And it wasn't because goalies ruled like they did in like twenty thirteen to sixteen. Goalies are good still, but like in the late nineties and early two thousands, goalies were like a nine oh five, nine oh six. Those say percentage was not that different than it is now. But like shots every game are like twenty seven to twenty one. Yeah. If the devils are playing it was like 26 to 13. What so, was that
0: stat Yvonne was talking about earlier, by the way? Well,
1: yeah, almost certainly false. But it was a stat about how many games <laughs> in a row the Devils didn't give up a certain amount of shots in the mid-90s. <laughs> and it's insane. I mean, there's others. There's The, the Devils stats about giving up shots in the 90s is insane. Equally as insane is thinking Martin Brodeur is as good as Walter Asik. Um, but, yeah, that, I just think the red line coming back would suck. I just think it would – yeah, he, he's ready right, to lead to more passing, but it also would lead to more pass breakups – the whole thing that really sucked about what happened at the NHL from like 95 to 04, or 96 to 04, is that it's not just clutch and grab. It just, the game was played so much in the neutral zone. And uh, that, that wasn't cool. That wasn't good at all. Like it was, it was not interesting to see the game play the neutral entirely in the neutral zone. It, that's not where you want to be. You want to see guys gliding through the neutral zone on their way to the other zone. So I, I, I get what he's saying. It would be different and maybe things wouldn't be as bad. But I also think if you brought back the red line, teams just would play the trap again. Like you couldn't clutch and grab like you did then. So it'd be different, but I think they would. So, Sid, just consider yourself lucky you never had to deal with that. And for those who don't actually know, Brandon, should we clarify? There's probably kids out there that that don't know the two line pass rule.
0: Yeah. No, this is the red line is referring to the two line pass. Do you want to? Elu- yeah. It's, just, it's
1: basically the center line. So if you're in your own zone, you couldn't pass over the red line. Uh, that's basically it. Yeah. You, like when you're breaking out of your zone, you had to have a pass to the area between your blue line center ice and they would have to pass it over the red line. And then that next person would have to pass it over the blue line. And you could start to imagine uh, why scoring was so low and yeah, why teams I mean, like it like the devil is just lined up in the neutral zone and we're like, you're not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, it actively like slowed the game down more and it 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 just took away more opportunities for odd man rushes and for breakaways and and, and just in general scoring opportunities like it. (laughs) There's no scenario where the two line pass should come back. Full stop. I'm with you.
1: Yeah, crazy. Uh, Jarvis. It went Jarvis.
0: Seth Jarvis.
1: Is that Jarvis uh, on the superstar list? Okay, he was
0: probably representing if like Aho and them didn't want to go. Teravainen's rehabbing, or not Teravainen? Sveshnikov.
1: Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know if it's a rule, but being able to interview the refs after games—if you could implement that—I'd like to see it. That would be fun. Well, the NBA has something like this in specific situations. They the refs are made available on like a conference call type thing. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with this one. Yeah, make them accountable on big situations, not every game. They don't go stay in front of the media, but they do a conference call. What they thought of, big, you know, when there's a big controversial call,
0: my beer league is actually integrating rough feedback after each game. So I'm very much in favor of this as well, because Ooh. obvious reasons. Yeah.
1: Very interesting. Yeah. Johnny Gaudreau says, get rid of shootouts. Just do three on three over time and someone scores. I Buddy. Yes.
0: Not mad about that.
1: Tell the union that how long could it possibly take?
0: And you do breaks too. Make them 10 minute periods. That's what I was going to say. Just do 10 minutes. Like, I feel like that probably solves your issue. You could still keep the shootout, but just make three on three, 10 minutes. Boom. Yeah. Problem solved.
1: Absolutely. Uh, John Tavares in the offensive zone on face-offs, the offensive player has the advantage gets to go down second. I don't always think it's an advantage to go down second. I'd like to think that the offensive player should be able to choose to go down first or second. I know from going against Patrice Bergeron that he definitely wanted to go down first parentheses laughs. So it's funny what you see as an advantage and what you think is an advantage. The offensive player should get to choose.
0: I think it's a pretty inconsequential rule one way or another in terms of how it affects the game. So I, I agree. I don't go have ahead. an issue with it.
1: Yeah, that's fine with me. That's that'd be a good way to help offense, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, I've seen USA Hockey actually fool around with this, and it's that you can't ice the puck anymore on the power play. If you're not able to ice the puck, then you're forcing guys to try and make plays, try and love it perfectly. I think it would make it really difficult.
0: That's oh, that I actually kind of like that. So that there's uh, that the uh, like the offense, like the offensive team with the power play, can't do it have an icing even if they like clear their zone. No, I think.
1: I think what he's saying is the defense can't ice it.
0: Interesting. Both would have really weird effects, I feel like. Yeah, I think
1: that what he's saying basically is the defense can't ice it. What he should say is on the penalty kill. Um Yeah, so he, what he says you force guys to try to make plays and try and lob it perfectly, like at the goalie, instead of icing the puck. Yeah, I think that's good.
0: Makes the penalty kill
1: more skilled, I guess.
0: Yeah. All right. I can get into that.
1: Jack Eichel. Longer overtime. It would make teams utilize more players and allow more guys the opportunity to play in overtime. And I think it's just such an exciting time for the fans. I know as a fan of hockey, when I see games going to overtime, I'm automatically tune into them because I want to watch the three-on-three. So I think it'd be great for the fans. Yeah. That, I, the, who, who said that one? Uh, jerk Michael. Yeah. Uh, I, re-
0: I rescind my statement earlier about expanding overtime. I actually don't <laughs> agree with that anymore.
1: Yeah. No, that's fine with me. Expand overtime uh clayton keller no dress code on game days we do that not for every game it could be cool to do it for every game you go casual you can mix in suits you can go kind of whatever you're feeling to show your personality and the nba did some version of this and i think to good effect i don't think nhl players have the style or personality of N- nba players but yeah that's fine with me i'm, I'm into that yeah. they-
0: while things in terms of like scoring are are trending in the right direction with the league, it still has a major marketing problem, in my opinion, I think, in the opinion of a lot of people in terms of how it markets their star players. And I think in part of that, it's obviously due to the fact that, like you said, there's just there's a big personality gap between NBA superstars and NHL superstars, to say the least um so i think any way that you can showcase that a little bit more i think is ultimately a good thing so shout out hopeful future saver clayton keller
1: all right so here's three ideas i agree with to some degree or another uh starting with philip forsberg get rid of the back-to-backs you can't just play as well in the back-to-back mm. that's it's a good point i guess mm-hmm. the only thing would be then with the schedule is I would ask Philip, hey, would you be comfortable then when you have a four game road swing playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday? Kind of extends the trip a little bit. Never playing it back to back. But I hear what he's saying. Yeah, it's not easy. Can to I play throw like something
0: that. at you to potentially be a remedy? What? What well, if you played less games?
1: Yeah, that's never happening. I either, know that. Either but side's I, agreeing to
0: that. We're saying pie in the sky. I'm just saying, what are your thoughts on if you were to go down to like 70 games?
1: Yeah, that'd be good, but less money for the players, less money for yeah. the owners. Yep, uh, that that'd be ideal. Same in the NBA. There's too many games.
0: No idea. One hundred percent. Absolutely. And there's
1: not enough baseball games. More baseball games, please.
0: There's not I enough. Will,
1: yeah, I love getting notifications to my phone in the first <laughs> inning of every game. The Yankees are losing one nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I don't believe it. All right, our boy Tage Thompson. I'd probably get rid of the no goal for kicks. I'd love it if you could kick in a puck. I think that should be a goal. If you have the ability to redirect a pass with your skater, kick it in. I think that's a skill. I think it's not an easy thing to do. I think it should be a goal for sure. You can kick it anywhere on the ice except for in the net. So I think it should be a goal, especially for the fact that a lot of times the defense ties you up in front of the net and you think you can use are your feet. Yes. Okay. So I think what this one is interesting. My first thought is yes, absolutely. That is a skill. And it's also a risk because... Skates, uh, as we know, as guys who have played, are not as secure as other parts of your equipment. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes getting hit with like a, a hard enough shot really hurt your foot. Definitely danger there. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, sometimes worth the risk. And he's right. You can kick it anywhere else on the ice. I think there should be maybe some rule about. Because what they're trying to avoid is you kicking your skate into someone and hurting them, hitting someone's Achilles or God forbid their throat. So. Maybe keeping your – that's that's when it gets tough. You can't keep your skate on the ice to do that. But maybe it's just like part of your skate has to be on the ice. That that leads to more reviews though, which I don't like. But yeah, I I get that.
0: I think that they should be able to. I unequivocally think that. I mean obviously the injury component is real, but I don't know – how severe that actually would be or how much of an issue that actually would be. And I think you could even take it a step further. I think you should be able to score a goal with any part of your body. That's not your hands. As long as you are not like throwing the puck into the net, I think you should be able to do that. I mean, a perfect example of the NHL getting in its own way with, with itself, the Andrew Shaw headbutt goal. Like that should be a goal. That should absolutely count. Yeah,
1: you want to do that, buddy.
0: Good luck. That's what I'm saying. Like, come on here. What with else this. is
1: Andrew Shaw using his head for?
0: Okay, but, well, not much. But <laughs> I think the other component of it, too, is like going back to the injury point. I would just be curious how much or, or I guess to what degree that actually would be an issue because is that not already a risk? when you have like a net front presence in general, whether you're screening, whether there's a scrum in front of the net, whatever it may be, like you kind of already have that risk of being in close quarters and getting tied up and losing balance and things like that. Not to mention the fact that you have a hundred mile per hour rubber projectile being shot at you too in the moment. So I'm all about it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely interested in the, scoring a goal with your body thing. That's a good idea. All right, last one. Jacob Trubill, eliminate the salary cap. Right there with you, man. Amen. Did he really say that? Yep. Did he really? Good for him. I mean, the salary cap is not good for players.
0: No. It's, I'm just there's... saying, like, that uh, a player actually, like, called that out. That's
1: great. Yeah. Probably no putting the toothpaste back in the tube on that one, but that was a whole battle. People forget. Maybe the young kids don't know that that was – longer battle than you would think when batman took over they went. they were within like two years were in a lockout and that was all about that and the owners didn't stick together and they lost and then they did and it cost them a whole season which all right at least they figured some stuff out financially but man is it crazy in hindsight that they went on to have a third goddamn lockout over like two percent of where the where the money was going to go a half a season another half season lockout Yep, that's crazy it's absurd. Uh, they would have had another one if it wasn't for COVID. They just love these goddamn lockouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well anyway, uh, do you have any more thoughts on anything? That was the last that was the last thing.
0: No, but I actually want to briefly talk about a recent recommendation that you had that I watched. You uh, recommended Theater Camp recently, didn't you? Nope. I don't know what that is. You had you didn't? I don't know why I thought you did. Oh my god you you absolutely should watch it everybody should watch it comedy movie on hulu it is so goddamn funny really good cast too let me pull it up here really quick um your camp movie so you have both molly gordon and io adibri 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 that's what it is excuse me yeah that's that's the bear they both are in it jimmy tatro um, oh. Don't don't really care for him that much, but Ben Platt, he's in it. He's his character is really funny in it. Um Amy Sedaris, love Amy Sedaris, yeah, girl. Um, let's see here. Wait, wait, wait oh, wait, David Roche from uh, Sir. Girl is Holly Hunter, isn't it? Is it? I thought. Why did I think that it was Amy Sedaris? Mm, I don't know. I think you might be right. You know what? Yeah. Well, either way. Love Amy Sedaris of of course Mandalorian fame. That's,
1: that's where people know Amy <laughs> Sedaris. <from. laughs>
0: I know. I just wanted to hear what you would say to it. Um, but Patty Harrison, who is incredible, and I think you should leave. She's yeah, um, what a cast! I gotta watch. Isn't it a, show or a movie? really good and all of the kids in it? But yeah, David Rash is in it, who of course is our our boy uh Carl from Succession. We love him um so it's it's, Uh, yes david koresh oh yes uh we talked what did we talk about him recently what was he in um oh uh the uh, burn after reading he was in yeah um but yeah incredible cast it's essentially about like a theater camp that as you probably would imagine um but the premise of it is amy sedaris's character is the one who's like in charge of this theater camp the camp instructors which are molly gordon and, and ben platt and a couple others are just like so over the top theater people who like did not make it in the theater industry, but like treat it as though like they are putting these kids through boot camp and the kids are all so funny in it, but essentially um, Amy Sedaris, character ends up getting sick and is in the hospital. And so her son, Jimmy Tatro, who knows nothing about theater ends up having to like take over the camp. And like, it is just so good. I don't want to give up too much more on it, but just, I highly, highly recommend watching like, belly laugh kind of stuff. So if you need a good comedy to watch, go watch Theater Camp on Hulu.
1: Man, uh, I really like Jimmy Tate I like a lot of people. I love Molly Gordon. Mm-hmm. I went to Barry's been in so many good things, so I like her. Man, that's a hell of a cast. Even it's a heard of
0: that. really good one. Yeah, Noah wow, Galvin, so too, is another name that's up there. Maybe Owen figure Thiel. out who
1: recommended that to you and thank them.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I thought that you did. No, I did. I definitely didn't. Um, I, I mean, I knew it came out because I had seen the uh, the trailers for it and stuff. And it, it it was just so good. It was worth the watch for sure. I think it's only like an hour thirty too, So it goes nice and quick, but definitely watch it. Highly recommend. You should watch it before our next episode. And let me know what you think, because I think you're going to really, really like it. All right. Um,
1: I am going to recommend a Hulu thing as well. Only Murders in the Building. That's oh. season three. If you haven't uh, caught up to season three yet, uh, there's only there's two weeks left because they they drop weekly. So you, you have time. They're mostly half hour to 40 minute episodes. It's great. And for those who haven't seen it, you have a whole bunch to catch up on, but not too much. Not intimidating. Like I said, short episodes, 10 episode seasons around season three. So you have about 30, you know, the, the next two weeks, the last two episodes of season three are dropping. Very excited about that. And it's got a great cast. I mean, the first season you get the stars, the, the premise, I should tell people just these people live in a very fancy New York City building called the Arconia. And it's a guy Steve Martin plays, who is a former kind of wash up actor, a guy Martin Short plays, who is a, a kind of never has been. So there was or yeah, a has been and a never was, I guess you would say he was almost had success in the theater, but never quite. And he's uh, and then there's someone who is basically inheriting their aunt's apartment there. It's played by Selena Gomez. So there's the kind of you know generational divide. She's someone who's like 30 and they're in their 70s, and they're all very funny. Martin Short and Steve Martin are two of the funniest guys that ever lived, and they still got it in their uh, in their 70s. So. Those guys are great. There's a there's a whole just bunch of people you've never heard of actor wise. So they're just so funny in their roles. So many great secondary characters and so many great cameos. I mean, not even a cameo, but in season three, Meryl Streep is Meryl Meryl Streep, Paul Paul Rudd, Rudd. Uh, and Paul Rudd plays a kind of exaggerated negative version of himself. And you have like at the same time. Season one, you have people that live that are supposed to be famous. You have Amy Schumer and Sting playing themselves. Oh, I forgot. Nathan Lane is in the first oh two seasons. Oh, my God.
0: I forgot about Sting being in the show. Holy
1: yeah. Shit. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of great stuff. And it's really fun. It's light. I know it's called Only Murders in the Building, and there are murders. But some of them, you know, it's not it's not a scary show. No. And if you're a person that's skeptical of true crime, this is pretty – it makes fun of true crime a lot also I, I totally just blanked on this tina fey and michael rapaport are also in it so a lot of yep. funny people are in it yep. so yeah check it out it's an extremely funny show and uh it's i think even though it wins Emmys and stuff it flies under the radar in terms of people talking about it i rarely hear people talk about it
0: i agree i, I, I mean i think but it still feels like it's a popular show like i know a bunch of people who watch it but you're right there really isn't a lot of i feel like chatter about it more or less yeah considering but...
1: it's a mystery show you'd right. think people would be wondering who the killer is
0: Right. No, I'm absolutely. wondering
1: myself, honestly,
0: I'm a couple episodes behind. I think I'm like two or three behind. So I got to definitely catch up on that. Wow. Taylor, it's been an honor and a pleasure. I missed you for after not seeing you for a whole week.
1: Yeah. well, Except for this afternoon.
0: Well, yeah, except for that. That's what I mean. I, I get you twice in one day. So even better. All right. Any last thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor?
1: Uh, Wow. Well. I'd say this this week, I'm going to say go Bills.
0: That's a unique one. I like that. Very different for you.
1: Yeah. The vowels uh, are dead to me again.
0: Oh, man. I'm might so as well sorry. be
1: 2014.
0: Oh, my God. Wow. Well, I'm very sorry for your unfortunate loss.
1: By the way, that reminds me. Um, the Bears cut Nathan Peterman today. The Did they really? Drama. Yeah.
0: They're, they're having a time over there, man.
1: Sure are. Well good luck.
0: Cam Akers just got traded to the Vikings.
1: I saw that. Yeah, I think he stinks. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well said. Fair enough. All right. Any last thoughts? Any last, last thoughts then, Taylor? Uh nope. Beautiful. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, and brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. But first, folks, you got to check out our presenters here the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you check them out online on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows and follow them online Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabers. And before you close out of this episode, make sure you are subscribed and are following us on your streaming platform of choice. And we'd very much appreciate it. If you'd leave us a nice little rating or review last but not least, everybody, we have our two wonderful sponsors. We love our sponsors, Taylor. Don't we love our sponsors? We just, we love them folks. We have DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals and Thin Man Brewery. Make sure you're hitting up Chandler street. We'll have more details to come on not only our events, but more about Jack Rapids move into Chandler street. And folks, Yvonne will be making his return to the podcast once we turn to the new season, season five of this show. So stick around as there will be plenty more to come there. Make sure you're also, as Taylor had mentioned earlier, checking out Minky Day. Head to their website for more information. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up saving.